and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're taking a look at prayer and praying with boldness, and we're looking at specifically at when we go through trials and what that means for us to pray as we're going through difficult times. It's very relevant to what's going on in the world right now. It's very relevant to each and every one of us. So grab your Bibles. You can turn to James chapter 1, and let's dive in. So today we find ourselves looking at James chapter 1, and it's an interesting passage as we're going to be looking at verses 2 through 5, which say, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, we've spent some time as we've been going through our series on prayer to look at what it means to ask God for love, ask God for what ask God for wisdom and what that means. And and one of the key things that we looked at was saying that when we ask we pray for love in the form of wisdom, which is then that we would be able to discern that wisdom, which is then we would be able to uh, have Christ-like character because we've discerned it properly. And then that we have found ourselves in a place where we now um, can show that fruit of the Spirit and that fruit of righteousness that can only come from Christ. And that's uh, really paraphrasing a lot of, of, of Philippians chapter 1. And, and so we find ourselves again in this passage where here we see uh, asking God, praying to God for wisdom and what we should ask for. But this is coming in the face of trials. And, and last week we did take a look and spend some time and in, in understand Psalm 46 and that prayer of uh, uh, God, please let you be my refuge and my strength and, and the place where I am protected. Uh, and we continue that prayer really today as we look at it, considering it a pure joy when we're going through trials and what we ask God for. How do we go to God in prayer for this? So, so we look at this and we'll just go bit by bit through it. But we see right at the very beginning in verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Sooner or later, probably sooner, we will face trials of various sorts. And the word face has this idea of falling or stumbling over a problem. It's going to happen. Uh, when all kinds of trials and temptations are crowd into our lives, uh, the message here is don't resent them in, as intruders, but welcome them as friends, saying let's welcome those trials knowing that God is refining us, God is uh, working on us, and God has a purpose in this. Now, the thought occurs that counting it all joy when troubles come is not a natural response. I don't think anybody thinks that's a natural response. But the whole point he's talking about uh, is a, a supernatural reaction made possible by the Holy Spirit, who, who really enables us to see and to respond from God's point of view. Counting it all joy is a conscious choice we make when hard times come. No doubt main problems come because we misunderstand the word joy. Here, 
the the working definition of joy is a deep satisfaction that comes from knowing God is in control, even when my circumstances are completely out of control. All right, that's the definition of joy that we're reading here. All right, let me say that again. Joy, as defined in this passage, is this deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that God is in control, even when my circumstances seem to be out of control. And, and, and why should we do this? Well, I'm glad you all asked. Uh, in fact, verses 3 and 4 tell us to concentrate on some of the benefits. Because you know that testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Do you see that word there in our passage that says because and that phrase so that? These two verses tell us why we need to consider it joy. It's because the two results of perseverance, two results are perseverance and maturity. Maturity. So if we have perseverance and, uh, or sorry, if we consider it joy in our trials, it'll help enable us to persevere as we face more trials and become more mature as we interact with others. That helps us to see there's a purpose behind our problems. But we're going to have to make a choice to concentrate on the benefits and not drift towards bitterness. God works his good through our trials. And when we pray, we stay in God's will. We stay in what God is working on. We don't run from what God is working on in our lives. Uh, when we pray to God and we pray for wisdom, then we stay. When trials come, there's something we can't know and something we can know about this. The one thing is we can't always know why things happen the way they do, no matter how hard we try and figure that out. And that is is tough for all of us. We want to know the reasons why. But the fact is there's going to be many mysteries in life. Uh, and the other thing is, is when hard times come, the thing that we can know is that God is in God is at work in our trials for our good and for his glory. So. As we understand this a bit more, again, there's things that we can know and things that we don't have to know. We don't have to know why why things happen the way they do, but we do know we do know that God is at work as we are going through it. So we've kind of gone to the the we've gone and understood the what in this that we should consider it pure joy. We've understand why. Uh, we should consider it pure joy. And now let's take a look at how this is all going to connect itself. And it's that challenge to connect to God's wisdom. In verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given. As we learned last week, God gives wisdom when we go through tough times. When, you, when you're in some sort of affliction or if you've lost your way, the challenge is, hey, ask God for insight. Ask God for wisdom and discernment. In fact, if we go back far enough, we can say that's really asking God for love so that we can have wisdom, have discernment, then have Christ-like character, and then show others the fruit of righteousness. It's all interconnected in a very great way. And so, you know, as we look at what today is, not today, but as we look at this passage and how to connect to God's wisdom— and, and in this, 
we see that God gives generously if we ask. If we go to God in prayer and we ask for wisdom and discernment, he will give it to us. To all without finding fault, and it will be given. As we talked about when it was wisdom, God gives wisdom when we go through tough times. When you're in some sort of affliction and you've lost your way, ask God for insight. And while his answer is always personal, one of the things I want to say is it may not be what I want and I <laughs> and I may not like the answer, but is where God is leading us. And it's part of that refinement process. Even if we look ahead just a little bit to James chapter 1, verse 22, we read, Do not merely listen to the word and so and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. All this talking must affect our walking. All of this orthodoxy, all of this head knowledge must affect our acting, our, our orthodoxy, our, sorry, our orthopraxy. God works his good through our trials when we pray and when we remain in him as we go through trials. So what are the tangible parts of this, right? Like what, what can we do with this? I'm going through trials. I'm having a tough time. What is that going to what does that look like? How can I actually uh, do something with this? And, and I'm going to give us some ways in which we can tangibly allow this to happen. Uh, and, and before I even jump in there, I want to give this great Chuck Swindoll quote, which is where he says, I'm convinced that life is 10% about what happens to me and 90% about how I react to it. <laughs> and I think that that's probably a fair statement when you actually sit back and you look back and say, what does this actually look like? So so what? how can we tangibly say, I'm going through trials, what should I do? And I don't want to be some, give like cliche things with this. I want us to understand that this is what the Bible says on when we're going through struggles. The first one is to soak up scriptures. For, for me and what I would suggest to you is find yourself in the book of Psalms. If you're suffering, uh, we have to be in the word every day and and it's important that we are. One advantage uh, of, of reading the scriptures is that the truth of God's word will settle deep as we're going through struggles. For example, when you feel like God has left you all alone, turn to Hebrews chapter 13, 5, which says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In fact, in the Greek, the sentence has five negatives. I will not. I will not cease to sustain and uphold you. I will not. I will not. I will not let you down. It's imperative. You don't get that repeating in the English, but in the Greek, you see uh, this repetitiveness in the imperatives that are used here. I love the book of Psalms because it's people going through all different stages of life and all different types of trials. And, and so I say, take some time. And especially if you've got one of those cross-reference Bibles, you are able to say, okay, God, um, not only am I listening to or reading how this person is reacting, I can cross-reference to what's happening in First Kings or Second Kings and see what the whole situation is. In fact, that's what I love about it. You can read the whole situation and then you can read the person's reaction in the book of Psalms as they go to God asking for help. Now, I say this as I'm about to head up to uh, Manitoba, Canada, where I'm going to be teaching a course 
on the his, uh, Old Testament historical books. We're going to be looking at uh, Joshua, Judges, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Uh, it's going to be a it's going to be a great time. I might throw Nehemiah in there just for fun, uh, and, and it's going to be great. But one of the things that I love to do is all around cross-references. We can read a story about how uh, David, for say, is, is fleeing, running from his son Absalom, who is trying to kill him. And then, after all of that, we can read a psalm and hear what he goes to God with as he is on the run. Uh, there's something very unique and very beautiful about that. Um, here's the other thing that I think is important is, is to declare what's going on in your life. Declare your doubts. It's not wrong to ask questions. It's not wrong to even complain to God. Look at the book of Job and <laughs> probably about at least one third of all the Psalms, if not two thirds. Psalm 10 verse 1 begins abruptly, Why, O Lord, do you stand so far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? This is not poetic. It's just simply complaining about where God is. Don't be afraid to go to God with absolutely everything. That's kind of one of those things that we don't like to do. We think that, okay, God God doesn't want me to go to him with everything. He wants the nice stuff and like give thanks for. And, and maybe here, here's some ways in which you can help me, God. But if you're wrestling with stuff, go to God. If you are in trials, go to God and say, God, why is this happening? Why does it feel like you're standing far away? When tragedy leaves you and kind of on the the verge of not knowing what to do, it's not unspiritual to declare your questions to God. He's big enough to handle your hurts. And and here's the thing, and this may not be the easiest one, but it is one nonetheless that we need uh, to, to say is worship God while he works out his will in your life. John Piper wrote an amazing article called Don't Waste Your Cancer. He sat down the night before his cancer surgery and reviewed 10 ways to make sure we don't waste any pain that we have. And let me uh, tell you some of the ways. I mean, and they are very blunt um, in order to help apply some of this stuff to maybe our situations. And, and I am, for the sake of this, where he has talked about his cancer, I'm going to change it to hardship because I really believe that it, it works. And he tells us in his um, book, Desiring God. So when, when we're looking at this, again, it's ways in which we don't waste the pain that we have. And so he says, you will waste your hardship if you do not believe it is designed for you by God. You will waste your hardship if you believe it is a curse and not a gift. You will waste your hardship if you seek comfort from your odds rather than from your God. You will waste your hardship if you refuse to think about death. You will refuse your hardship if you think that beating hardship means staying alive rather than cherishing Christ. You will waste your hardship if you spend too much time reading about hardship and not a tough time reading about God, which is a great statement. I love that. You will waste your time if you let it drive you into solitude instead of deepen your relationships, uh, deepening your relationships. You will waste your hardship if you grieve as those who have no hope. And you will waste your hardship if you treat sin as casually as before. 
And you will waste, finally, you will waste your hardship if you fail to use it as a means to witness the truth and glory of Christ. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to absorb. Yet, it's so true. Now, last week after we came off a statement on, (laughs) as we looked at a podcast on Ukraine and the suffering that's going on there. You know, read that list that we just made and and to say, do not waste that hardship if you do not believe it is designed for you by God. That is a, a tough thing to say, how can I see this work out? Now, a lot has been said about our missionary that one of our missionaries that we have over in Ukraine, now in Poland, Juliana La. And, and here she has her hardship. She has been now exiled from Lviv where she was, and she's now in Poland. And she could have come back to America, but instead she took this hardship that she has. And I believe she said uh, that this is designed for her right now by God. And so instead of turning and running, she faces it head on. And now she's ministering to refugees who are coming across the border. What a great story. Where, what a great picture of even that second part of how this is not a curse, but it is, um, that is, uh, that it is not a curse, but it is a gift. And what, because it is opening up that last part, a means to witness the truth and the glory of Christ. So, you know, so I pause there for a second and, and, and maybe this is a good place for, for us to kind of wind down today is, you know, yes, we have to develop a theology of suffering in, in a sense. When it comes in, uh, A.W. Tozer says, when it comes into our minds, when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I'm convinced uh, that many of us have an inadequate or inaccurate view of God in, uh, for, for many different reasons, because we think that suffering shouldn't happen to Christians. As we start to see how God will use us through suffering, God will use us as a witness through suffering. We can see how we can respond. Remember that part that I said at the beginning from Chuck Swindoll. 10% of life is what happens to us. 90% is how we react. So how do we react when there are trials? I hope this passage in James chapter 1 verses 2 to 5 uh, are able to be helpful to you. And you can find them helpful as you say, Can I consider it joy as I go through trials? Am I able to go to God and ask for wisdom in trials? Am I able to ask God for discernment so that as I go through trials, I can be more Christ-like, God can work on me, and then as I witness, people will see the fruit of righteousness that can only come through Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture. I'm going to leave it at there for today. Um, And next week, we are jumping into a a brand new series. I'm excited for it. We're going to be looking at the history, the places, the archaeology of the different locations in the Passion Narrative and in the places leading up to the Easter story. And so we're going to take a look at some pivotal moments that happened in some pivotal places, and we're going to discuss the meaning behind those places. I hope you're excited for it. I definitely know I am. Uh, So I will say take care. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you next week.
Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, a part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.